Wasn't that some good worship? Um, I don't think we do this enough, so I want to publicly say it right now. We are so grateful for our worship team. They are, they are pastors and ministers of the gospel. Matt, who was leading the team today, he has a full-time job, a very busy job. And uh, anytime he and I are working together, a week ahead of time, he'll text me. And he'll say he's praying. And uh, what is God doing in my heart? What scriptures do I have? How can we connect together um, to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus when, when we do worship together, when we do church together? So I'm super grateful for that. Uh, welcome back to our, our series. Uh, we've loved this series, Drinking Deep, Experiencing Life with God. I love what Claire said. Claire said that God has is, is given her a new song. Hopefully through this series, God has given you a new song. Last night, I was at Night of Worship. Who's been to Night of Worship? How amazing. That's, that was unbelievable. I mean, it's always unbelievable. And Andrew and his team, again, they work so hard and and Ruth and I are in the back and we're praying with people and a couple came up to us and began to pray and lay hands on us. And, and uh, as this guy was praying for me, he said, you know, one of those prayers that gives you pause. He says, man, right now, Father, I see that you're giving to Lee baby eyes. And I went, huh? <laughs> baby eyes? And he said, I feel like you're giving him a new, fresh look at the word of God and at who you are and your favor in his life. I said, oh, thank you. I pray that God is doing that through the series. That the spirit of God is taking the word of God and challenging you what it means to go deeper in, in prayer and, and giving and you know, silence and solitude and community. And so just love, just love the series. If you want to go a little more in depth, if you haven't already, you can go to the Version Bible app and you'll find my outline there. And as Kevin said, remember to take home your insert and do some homework with that. The team has worked really hard and we've heard just great testimonies from um, all, the, all the homework that we've been given each week and how it's challenged and changed people's lives. A few weeks ago, I talked about the spiritual practice of prayer and I gave you some examples and how Jesus prayed and what I want to do is I want to go a little deeper this morning um, to challenge you even more, to pray specifically, a little bit more... Um, for some tangible things like our country and the state we live in and the city that we live in, our, our officials, our, our president, our, our, our senators and congressmen and congresswomen and um, to pray for churches and for unity. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a video. It's, just, it's real brief by the leader of uh, the Fayetteville Prayer Room, our very own Dennis Peterson, uh, to give you some more information. So, so take a look. As you know, uh, Unites was founded on prayer over 18 years ago. The founding fathers and mothers of our church uh, spent three months in continuous prayer, uh, seeking God's uh, leading as to whether they should, in fact, start on the church. And from that very beginning uh, until now, uh, the leadership of our church has prayed about every major decision. With this tradition in mind, I'm happy to announce a new prayer initiative called Third Tuesday Prayer. We're joined with at least 30 other churches in the area to cover every day of the month. For New Heights, we've chosen the third Tuesday of each month. And we're going to pray all 24 hours, midnight to midnight. We're going to be praying for reconciliation for our nation and 
if you'd like to learn more uh, about this, Dennis, Dennis will be back to, there he is, he's waving his hand right now, he's back there to my left, near the double doors there, and uh, he'll be there um, today as well as next Sunday, and you can find out more information. If you really want Jesus to love you, you can sign up for the 3 a.m. slot. <laughs> um, but I highly, highly encourage it. Uh, again, I'm just so grateful to be around so many godly people. Dennis, Dennis says, it's been 40 years you've been praying for revival in Fayetteville. Has it been 40 years? Yeah, 40 years. Dennis has prayed that God would bring revival to the city of Fayetteville. And I believe because of that, because of the prayers of Dennis and so many others, we have a lot of favor here in our town and our university and with churches and parachurch organizations. So sign up, go back and sign up and pray. Well, this morning we are going to talk about the spiritual practice, uh, the spiritual discipline of Sabbath and rest. And just like my talk on silence and solitude, this subject almost seems anti-American. Let me illustrate. Um, it, just, it doesn't compute with our brains. I remember 29 years ago when Ruth and I were preparing to go off to seminary uh, they, when I was uh, 12, they sent us um, a student manual. And one of the things the manual said was that this Bible college and seminary, they practiced Sabbath on Sundays. Uh, they didn't say the Bible said we had to, but their preference was that if you're going to be a student at, at their Bible college or their seminary, that you could not do homework. They prefer that you don't work a job. They asked that you not work a job unless you absolutely had to. And they said, you are not allowed to do homework on Sunday or study for tests because they really wanted you to rest on that day. They wanted you to go to church, take a nap, take a walk, go to community group, and please do not watch TV. Basically, they wanted you to spend time with God, family, others, nature, your couch, and not work or think about school. Sounds good, right? But not for then, um, 25-year-old, type A, high-strung, overachieving Lee Epstein. I said to Ruth, and these were my exact words, as I looked at the manual in our apartment in Delaware as we were preparing to go to Columbia, South Carolina, I said, Ruth, this is ridiculous. Don't they know the Bible? I know, I said that to the seminary. Huh, I wasn't, wasn't cocky or anything. I said, Jesus is our Sabbath. Can I get an amen, sister? Come on. I said, it's unbiblical, it's legalistic, it's un-American, so forth and so on. I, to which my loving and very gentle wife said, you know, Lee, growing up, mom and dad set aside Sundays as a Sabbath for our family. And let me tell you, if you know Ruth's family, the proof is in the pudding. That's five siblings who all know and love and serve Jesus who bear much fruit. And they said on Saturdays, we would prepare for Sunday for Sabbath. Whether it was our chores and we're getting the house ready because we like to have pastors over and missionaries. Most of the cooking was done on Saturday and so it could just be reheated or put in a crock pot or in the oven Sunday morning. She said, those, those, those Sabbaths for all those years brought our family together. And she said, Lee, to this day, there's some of my some of my." fondest memories to which I replied because I'm an idiot was it a fond memory for the paper boy who had to work on Sunday you say you didn't say that I did 
Was it a fond memory for the person who pumped your gas? 29 years ago, they still did that. Or, or waited your table? And then she, she lovingly said this, I think you're missing the point. <laughs> the day you rest doesn't matter. The key is to pick a time and rest because if you don't, if you don't, eventually it's gonna catch up with you. Lee, and I'll never forget these words, I think that Sabbath is a gift from God, not a punishment. I think that Sabbath is a gift from God, not a punishment. I'd like to say I received those words and put them into practice immediately, but I did and I complained some more, got on my theological high horse some more, but over time I was won over. Sunday became a joy and we began that practice with our own children, but it was on Saturdays because I was in ministry because I knew I could be fully present at church, our home with Ruth, or our community group that met Sunday nights. Why? Because I wasn't thinking about a test, an assignment, or a paper to write. I could just be present. Okay. A quick overview for the rest of my talk. This morning we're going to look at a biblical definition of Sabbath. What does the word mean? What's it all about? Did Jesus have anything to say about the Sabbath? Thirdly, is the Sabbath for today? The dangers of not resting? Some practical ways uh, to Sabbath to rest? And then we're going to finish with two, two mom stories. All right, let's start with the biblical definition of Sabbath. The word literally means, who knows what it means? You can yell it out. I know everyone's nervous. I, I don't know. Rest. It means rest. The Sabbath was the Hebrew day of rest that began every Friday at sunset and concluded at sunset on Saturday. The biblical reasons are given to us as part of the Mosaic law. The fourth commandment goes like this, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. By the way, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. Remember, I command you, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it, by keeping it holy, by setting it apart as different. This observance was partly to be a witness to the surrounding nations that the Israelites had entered into a covenant with the one and only living God, who, by the way, in an agrarian society could provide for all their needs even if they took the day off. Even if they took the day off, he would provide. The Sabbath day for the Jew was a day of rest, worship, spiritual instruction, and community. The focus was to be on the Lord and not on work. It was a day to pull back from self-interest. Like God knows us. Hey, when I wake up, you know who I'm thinking about? Me. Mid-morning, me. Afternoon, me. Mid-afternoon, me. Late afternoon, me. Bedtime, me. Sabbath was the day to pull back from me and to think about Yahweh. But the Sabbath was also given before the law. Let's start at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he, he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating um, that he had done. Let me ask you a question. Was God tired? You ever thought about that? Wait a second. 
Like God is literally thinking into existence the planets and the universe and and the Bible says that Jesus in Colossians is, is the creator. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us. They're, they're magically weaving together this beautiful thing called creation. Do you think they went, whoo, oh man, we're wiped out. No. God doesn't get tired. God isn't a created being. God stands before time. God is the great I am. No such thing. So what was Sabbath for? Sabbath wasn't for him. It was for his brand new creation. After everything was created, God knew that those things which are created, guess what he knew? That sometimes we don't know. We need rest. We need rest. He doesn't need rest, but the things he created need it. And these include, but are not limited to the land. Like the land needs rest. Animals. And of course, people. And all these things would need rest. And God established one day, every week, that all these things were to rest. He blessed this day. He set it apart um, from all the other days for man's sake and for his creation's sake as a whole. But something happened when Jesus came on the scene. God begins to redefine Sabbath. And he puts it in its proper perspective in the one who created Sabbath. So how did, how did Jesus deal with the Sabbath? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 1, follow along. I'm going to read 15 verses here, but I think they're really, really good. Get caught up in the story here, okay? There are some principal players, just think in these terms. There's Jesus, disciples, Pharisees, and they're interwoven throughout these two stories. Literally, I don't know how this works, but Jesus and his disciples are walking and from afar, the Pharisees are, are walking alongside. At the time, verse 12, verse one, pardon me, chapter 12, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry. This is called a dilemma. The disciples were taught, I, I think inappropriately taught, taught wrongly that, man, you... You just, you couldn't do any work at all. Man, they were hungry. And so they began to pick, that's work, some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, aha, they said to Jesus, isn't it, they didn't say to the disciples. They said to Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered, hey, oh, like a good lawyer, I love this. I can just see Jim Hall right now, right? Just picking them apart. I love this. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read? He's precedent, right? Here's some precedent, boys. By the way, I wrote this. Didn't, didn't you read it? Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath day in the temple, they desecrate the Sabbath? And yet they are innocent. And he's building his case. I tell you that something greater than the temple is, is here. Life was about the temple. Everything was about the temple. Everything was about keeping rules. Everything was about not only the commandments of God, but the mission of those 4,000 rules that were added to the commandments of God. And so Sabbath had become this dreary, horrible thing, not what it was intended for. He says, if... It, if you had known something greater than the temple is here, I tell you something greater than the temple is here, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, 
not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent for the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mic drop, boom. What? I, I trumped the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. Going on from that place, and I, I wish I could have seen the look on their faces, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, hey, by the way, I mean, they're anticipating what's about to happen. Isn't that horrible? Here's a man with a shriveled hand. And they've already seen Jesus do this before. They've heard the tales. They've seen him. Like, in their mind, like, this dude heals people. Here we go. Here comes a guy with a shriveled hand. So they anticipate what's going to happen. And they said, hey, by the way, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, I love this, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now you think they would have gone, oh my word. That whole man's life was changed. Generations were changed. The glory of God is in our midst. Woo! Hallelujah! They went, ah! We've got to kill this guy. Man, legalism is destructive, isn't it? That's a whole other message. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Huh. Aware of this, I, I want you to see how audacious Jesus is. I just caught this for the first time, as, and I've preached this passage. But Jesus withdrew from that place, but mind you, it's still the Sabbath. Now get this. A large crowd followed him, and guess what? He healed all of them. Can you imagine? He heals the shriveled hand. Pharisees are still following him. He goes, oh, by the way, be healed. They fall out, they're healed. And those guys are like, ah! In your face, Jesus said. Why? This is really important. The Pharisees defined the Sabbath as don'ts. Jesus illustrates powerfully that, and I want you to see this. This is really important. Sabbath is for restoring the humanity of people. Guys, Sabbath isn't about God. It's about us. Oh, how he loves us. Sabbath isn't a checklist for God. By the way, no rules are. Sabbath is for us. In other words, hungry disciples can eat, a disabled man is healed, and when the Pharisees protest, Jesus heals everybody. It's one of his more defiant gestures towards the establishment in the Gospels. But what about the rest of the New Testament? The author of, of Hebrews, we went through that a, few, a couple years ago, and Throughout the, the, the book of Hebrews, the whole theme of Hebrews is Jesus is greater. Remember, the book of Hebrews was hit, written to Hebrews who had given their life over to Jesus. And they had left a system of rituals and rules and endless Sabbath keeping. And so 
the author keeps saying Jesus is better than the prophets. Remember, they had their favorite prophets. They had their prophet trading cards, remember? They had Moses, and they, they had all these different prophet trading cards. I mean, I'm making that up, but you know, they love their prophets. And no, 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 Jesus is greater than the prophets, and Jesus is, is greater than the sacrificial system, and Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. So he's building this case for what true Sabbath really is. And we pick it up, Hebrews chapter four and verse eight. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, this Sabbath, right? God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. They kept saying, get us to the promised land, Joshua. That's our Sabbath, that's our rest, that's our holy land, just get us there. That wasn't the point. He says, verse nine, so there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. A special Sabbath. You say, well, what is it? He's building. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. He goes back to Genesis 2. Verse 11, so let us not, let us do our best to enter that rest. What rest? Hold on. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail, we'll not experience true rest. The author uses a unique word in verse nine, you might want to underline it. It, it's, it looks like two in our text, but it's one word in the original. It's special rest. It calls attention to the spiritual aspect of God's rest. In other words, it goes beyond observing the seventh day as holy. It goes beyond entering the physical promised land. He's, he's taking us to a whole other place. He says this special rest is a soul rest and this special rest is found only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. As I said, the author is writing to a group of people who are entertaining thoughts of going back to Judaism. They were thinking about, man, we miss our friends and well, you know, I know it was a, a system that wore us out, but at least it was definable, right? We're doing these good works, we're observing these feasts, we're observing these Sabbaths, we're sacrificial system, and at least we're doing something. And the writer said, no, 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 no. No, you, you have achieved ultimate Sabbath if you put your, your faith in your life in Jesus Christ. What was the life they had? <laughs> Ceremony, Sabbath, observance. Ceremony, Sabbath, observance. Over and over and over. And the author says, none of those aspects were ever completed. And each one had to be repeated on a regular basis. But the work of Jesus Christ is a finished work. He accomplished the work of our salvation on the cross. And he said, it is finished. Now here's Sabbath for us. It is finished. Come and rest. Come and Sabbath with me. Because I'm your Sabbath, I bring new meaning to rest. When you rest, you rest in me. And I'm more than enough. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, are weary and burdened, and I will give you Sabbath. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find Sabbath. You will find rest in your souls, for my, my yoke is easy 
and my burden is, is light. So here's the million dollar question. In light of the fact that Jesus is our Sabbath, is Sabbath still for today? Now I know I'm going to frustrate some of you out there because I'm going to give you an answer that you may not like. Let me phrase it this way. Is keeping the Sabbath necessary for our salvation? No. Is keeping the Sabbath an act of obedience that makes God happy when we do or makes God unhappy when we don't? No. Now, is keeping the Sabbath a wise principle that will help us walk with Jesus, who is our Sabbath? Yes. The principle of setting one day in seven apart for worship and rest is a gift, like Ruth said. A gift that God has given to us for our benefit. I love this quote by by Dallas Willard. The Sabbath, Jesus said, was made for man. That is, it serves human life in essential ways. Without it, life cannot be what it should be. That's a great statement. You're living life, but is it what it really ought to be? That is why it is given in the Ten Commandments at the heart of the moral law. It is not something we have to do because God has, has arbitrarily required it of us, a pointless hoop he would have us jump through. It is his gift for us. Sabbath is a way of life. It sets us free from bondage to our own efforts. Only in this way can we come to the power and joy of a radiant life in ministry, a blessing to all we touch. Okay, we've established that Jesus is our Sabbath. And so when we practice Sabbath and we practice rest, it's even more meaningful now because it's not a ceremony. It's Jesus, That's who we think about. That's where our mind is set. That's who we cry out to. So Jesus is is our Sabbath. But we also know this. God designed us for physical, emotional, and and spiritual rest. What happens when when we don't do that? Let's go to the dangers of not resting. Let me go negative for just a minute. And then we'll get positively practical. But here are some negative things that can happen when we don't rest. In in 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've seen this over and over. And I've experienced it in my own life. And uh, over and over again. Number one, um, if we don't Sabbath on a regular basis, our bodies wear down physically. But not only that, secondly, our minds emotionally wear down. I had a gentleman come up to me in between services and he said, and I won't tell you all that he's doing, but I'm doing this, 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 this. He said, I never rest. And he said these words, I literally can't think straight. Like I'm in a really bad place. My mind is confused. And I just began to walk through him some, some, some practices that he could do. And you could see his body just like exhaling. And I prayed over him. He went, oh. What happens is our minds just get so full of all this stuff that we don't exhale on Sabbath and we get discouraged and, and depressed. Number, number four, number three, it's harder to love people because when we're absent, tired, and stressed out, we can't love like God designed us to love. Four, we start to develop a feeling that, of God being far away. And that's what this, this brother said to me. He said, I feel like God's so far from me. 
We have thoughts of doubt that, that seep into our minds. We begin to develop a diminishing or non-existent prayer life. Wow. We have trouble opening and reading our Bible. We become less and less concerned for the things of God and more and more drawn to the things of the world. Man, the world is easy. It's quick, it's cheap, it's attractive. You don't have to go very deep. I eat this, I do this, I make this, I buy this, I watch this, I listen to this. I'm not accountable to anything. And, and, and the more we do that and not step back and meet with the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus, the more that feels attractive. Number nine, we struggle with community. Community takes time. It's a vicious circle, isn't it? People come to me all the time in the church. I'm not gonna name names, but they're like, I, I don't really know about, you know anybody in the church. I'm like, do you meet with anybody? Are you in a small group? Are you in a No. I'm like, oh, man. you gotta take the first step. Here's what I hear. I don't have time. I want it, but I don't have time to get it. And because I'm not getting it, I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy with myself or with the church. Community takes time. It's a part of Sabbathing. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Number 10, and this is horrible, but our families suffer. We're present, but not really present, or we're not even present. Number 11, identity crisis. When our identity is our work, or being busy, or anything besides Jesus, we lose our way. And taking a Sabbath rest helps us to find our way back to Jesus. It's our way to recalibrate. Okay, now for the good stuff. Some practical ways to Sabbath and rest. Number one, get away and get alone with God. This isn't an order of importance, but this is something we can all do. It's not the only thing that we do. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but it's, it's significant. It might be for an hour walk around Lake Fayetteville. It might be sitting by a pond. It might be on your bike. It might be sitting in your den, back porch. And you just say, God, this is your time. I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about you. Scripture, song, prayer. Number two, uh, throw away your to-do list for a day. Uh, That's me, I'm a big to-do list guy. I'm a big to-do list and a to-don't list guy. And I just need to crumple them both up and just be with Jesus. Number three, um, turn off your cell phones for a day. You'll go through um, withdrawals, but you can do it. Or have a no phone zone for an hour or two, and especially at, at family times. Man, if you're with your kids and you're having, you're having dinner, turn your phone off. Stick it in the room. Come on. You're not getting that time back. You're not going to, on your deathbed, go, man, I'm so glad I kept picking up the phone and dealing with stuff from work. Or I kept looking at my Instagram during dinner and I didn't spend time with my kids. I wasn't fully present with these precious little eternal vessels that God gave me. Come on. Take a fast from social media for a day, a week, a month. How about forever? That's just my suggestion. Here's our new mantra. I'm gonna put it on the screen behind me. You ready? I don't need to know everything about everyone and I'm really not that important. You got to know this. I don't think it's a newsflash, but no one's thinking about you. But God. 
God's thinking about you. The Bible says that his eyes are on the righteous and he never takes them off. I think I'm a pretty good dad, but right now Noah's up with the youth. My other son's in China and I can't do anything. God says, I got it. My eyes are on them. You know it. You're looking at your phone. You're like, eh, 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 okay. You're not thinking about those people. Oh, nice picture. Oh, Cabo San Lucas. Oh, big fish. Oh, great. Fantastic. Gone. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, I wish I was like that. I know it's not real, but I think it's real. I mean, all that stuff. That's our new mantra. I don't need to know everything about everyone, and I'm, I'm really not that important except in God's eyes. Okay. Um, number five, know yourself when it comes to you what works best in finding time with Jesus, to Sabbath with Jesus. Maybe it's a macro Sabbath, a day off, two or three days off. Um, maybe it's a portion of a day, a micro Sabbath. Um, you're not at a season in your life, and I understand that, where you're like, dude, I can't just get off for three days. Even a day is, is a bit challenging, but I can micro Sabbath, do it every week. Number six, we need to resist Sabbath as only disengagement. Sabbath is a party. Like we often tend to think of Sabbath as only getting alone with God. That could be part of it. Um, We think things like, well, Sabbath is we don't work, we don't eat at Chick-fil-A, but it's not just about doing things. At times, Sabbath should be about um, doing things, not just not doing things. How do we engage with the world around us differently? Right? With, with a God perspective. If you're a parent, ask yourself, how do I interact with my kids differently on this day? When you go to church, do you proactively talk to them about uh, what uh, they're doing and why they're doing it and what you have done and why you have done it? And how God changes you as you do it. If you take a walk with them in a neighborhood, do you talk about them um, with the things that you see together? And let me add a seventh one here. This is just timely, right? Um, men's retreat. That's a good Sabbath. That's a good Sabbath. Seriously. New Life Ranch is beautiful. Um, two years ago, we went out there for a church planting retreat. And we had a bit, a bit of time just to kind of walk the grounds and pray. And I went off by myself. I, I think I told you this, but I'm going to repeat it. I'm not kidding you. I don't know if God just did this for me, but I'm standing at the bridge and I look down and I, the water's crystal clear and I see all these beautiful fish. Then I see a little turtle on the side of the bank and he cranes his neck up and he looks at me like, I love you, man. Seriously, I saw that turtle. I'm like, is that for me? And I'm not kidding. This never happens to me. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, out of the sky, an eagle swoops down. I'm like, come on, God, really? There's an eagle. I'm like, what the? All at New Life Ranch. Man, man, if you go there, you'll see fish, turtles that love you, and an eagle. Go. (laughs) All right, let me finish this morning with two two mom stories. How do moms find time to Sabbath, to rest? He said, what about dads? Um, Dads need this just as much as moms, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. Moms, by and large, I know I'm going to insult some dads here, and I apologize ahead of time, but you know it's true. Moms, by and large, uh, do a whole lot more, work a whole lot harder, and multitask more. They just do. Um... Men tend to think, I need some me time. Moms tend to think, I'll get me time in 30 years, right? (laughs) 
Um, and that's just the way it is. And so I really wanted to highlight moms, but not, not just one set of moms, two sets of moms, the moms that, that work outside the home. I know they work inside the home too, but do both. And then stay-at-home moms. And so our communications team did a great job. They, they found a stay-at-home mom and they interviewed her, Felicia Bourne. I want to get this picture up here. Man, isn't that a great picture? But be honest, that looks like work, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm getting old. I mean, when I was young, I'd been like, that's just life. Now I'm like, dang, that's work. And so we, we interviewed her and we gave her this question. How do you find time? And you can look at your bulletin to get bits and pieces of this. I have a longer, I have a longer interview here, but bits and pieces of, of this interview are in your bulletin. How do you find time to drink deep from Jesus as a busy mom of five? And she said this, motherhood is a season where you can feel like you're in a cave and you feel forgotten and isolated. Man, it can also be easy to feel too busy to spend time with Jesus. I know though, I love this this statement. She says, I don't mother well without Jesus. I just don't. She says, one of the main things I do to connect with Jesus is to take every Friday morning and go to a coffee shop for about two to three hours. I assume Jake or someone else watches the kids. I sit by myself and I pray and I journal and I read the Bible. That literally fills me up for the rest of the week. She says, it's it's the most important thing I need to do each week. If I don't have that time, I can tell throughout the week. She says, uh, during the week, I do different things to connect with Jesus. Some days, I'll wake up before my kids and go read my Bible alone. Sometimes, I'll read my Bible with my kids, or I'll have them come read their Bibles and journal with me. My kids see me doing that a lot, and they know that when I'm having a hard time, that's where I go, Um, and I, I want them to know that. I want them to see that. I want them to know that. An older mom told me once that she would hide under her kitchen apron that's a big apron, and tell her kids they couldn't talk to her because she was having a meeting with Jesus <laughs> under her apron. I love that. Man, dads, moms are so creative. Dads are like, just get out of here. I mean, let's spend some time with Jesus. Ruth, get the boys, get them out of here. Ruth's like, I'm under my apron spending time with Jesus. Love you, kids. Oh, my word. Women are amazing. Mm. She says, that made me think um, all throughout motherhood that I was supposed to find my opportunity that I could connect with Jesus and, and, and not come up with excuses. She says, it is hard, but it's not as hard as you think. If you're intentional and it's important to you, you can find time. She says, if you really want something, if you really want something, you're going to seek it out. And we know that. You're going to make it happen. Okay, last mom story. Nikki Ringler, come on up. Nikki is a mom who, of course, works inside the home, but also works outside the home as a school teacher at Owl Creek, second grade school teacher. She is the wife of Brad Ringler, uh, one of our children's pastors. And um, I want to ask her, as a, a mom who works outside the home, what does a typical day um, look like for you? Okay. Um, As you can see, I've got three kids. And so our mornings start really, really early. 
Um, my husband and I, we get up, we get breakfast going, pack lunches, backpacks, all of that stuff. Um, then um, the little one, Caroline and I, second to littlest, we go to school together at Owl Creek. Um, so then I'm go to work where I teach second grade all day, like Lee mentioned, and um, I'm sure I can get an amen from the teachers in the crowd that whenever the kids leave the building, the teacher work doesn't stop. So then I stay for a while and, you know, talk with parents, plan for the next day, those kinds of things. Um, After that's done, then I do the mom stuff. So run kids to gymnastics or soccer. Our oldest has cell group and it's her senior year. So she has all sorts of senior year things going on this year. Um, My husband and I help lead a community group and we're involved in just various ministry areas that sometimes happen on weeknights. And then we try to do the family stuff. Um, Like Lee was mentioning the family dinners um, and bedtime and bath time and reading and homework and that good stuff. Well, she left out that she temporarily is our disabilities pastor through June on Sunday morning. So she ran in here to do this and she's got to run back out and do some more work. And we're so grateful for her for that. Um, as I look at that picture, it's a beautiful picture, but it, something doesn't look right about that, right? In that Julissa doesn't look like your daughter. She looks like your sister. Tell me more about Julissa. Yes, Julissa is 18 and um, she's currently our foster daughter, but she'll Wait soon. Wait a second, you, and I, I'm old enough where right. I can say this. You're 31. I'm 31. So 31 yes. with an 18 year old daughter. We call that New Heights Kingdom math. <laughs> it's, it's different, but it's good. Um, but yes, she's 18 and we will get to adopt her pretty soon. So that's really exciting for all of us. Wow. Wow. Um, That schedule, to me, I I get it. It's very normal for a lot of people now, but still it sounds crazy. So how do you, it's a little bit different than a stay-at-home mom, how do you find rest? Um, How do you Sabbath in Jesus? Yeah, so I... Sometimes I get to do this. I do have this picturesque view of like my hot coffee and my worship music and my comfy chair and all of that. And there are times that I do get to do that. But more often than not, just in the season right now that God has us in, it doesn't really get to look like that. So I've been able to find rest um, actually with a group of running friends. So I have two women that I run with and um, they've just over a long time become really, really dear friends to me. Um, One is about my age, and then the one in the pink, that's Cindy. Cindy's in her late 50s, and Cindy is a Christ-like woman, and she... um She's been a mom, she's been a teacher, she's been a wife. Everything that I'm doing, she's gone before. And so she is able to pray over us and just speak life into us. And in those times where I feel like um, life is a whole lot or I'm feeling discouraged, she always points me back to the Lord um, and gives us, Kara and I, the other younger one, just this feeling like God's got us. And she reminds us of that. And so every time I run with them, I feel um, just replenished and refueled and um, really peaceful in my heart after that time. It's not really about the running. Um, It's more the emotional and spiritual things that I take from the running time together. Wow. We've come up with the term in light of of Nikki and so many others. And I didn't come up with this term. Mick Colinani, our our young professionals pastor, came up with this term. We call it active rest. And that's a part of Sabbath, right? And so active rest is when you're spending time with people, but you're being filled up 
whether it's from Cindy or from others, or you're filling them up, it can be reciprocal, it can be one way, but you're actively doing something with someone else and it's beneficial for you in your walk with Jesus. So don't discount active rest. Okay, one last question. Um, Sometimes Brad, uh, quote unquote, encourages you um, to go and run with your friends at 4.30 in the morning. Why does he do that? Um, so unfortunately for Brad, if I don't have my rest time, um, I might get irritable or a little bit cranky. And so sometimes that's his gentle hint to me that maybe I need to put my shoes on and go for a run and have that rest that, um, my body and my spirit needs. Let me just point this out. I know it's obvious. Sabbath isn't just for us. It's for those around us. Seriously. For sure. And Ruth will do that with me. She's like, whoa, have you spent time with Jesus? She, well, I'll get a little irritable. I know it's hard for you to believe because I'm such a great guy. But she'll, um, she'll <laughs> and she too. literally will say, have you, have you walked like Fayetteville? Have you been out? I'm like, no. She's like, it's obvious. Get away from me now and <laughs> go Sabbath. Okay. Um, you have a term. I love this term for your, your running club. What is it? We call it running therapy because it really is. It's running therapy. It's biblical therapy one for another. Isn't that awesome? Give her a hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, the worship team is coming back up right now and we're preparing our hearts to take communion, to worship. Maybe you want to get baptized. We'll baptize you on the spot. Just come on up. We'll talk about it and get you a towel and take all the electronics off of you and we'll do that. (laughs) Um, But in the meantime, let me just say this. This talk this morning um, isn't a self, it it could be, but it isn't a self-help talk that anyone can listen to and just go, oh yeah, I need to do that and I'll I'll be better. If If you're here this morning and I'm glad you're here, and for some reason, you're like, I, I really don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. Good principles, man, but I don't know this Jesus. I, w- I would lovingly say this. If you haven't found rest in Jesus first, it will be impossible for you to find ultimate rest, Sabbath, and, and true joy, peace, and happiness. I've been there. I've been there. I mean, literally, as a 17-year-old growing up in Southern California and and grew up in a home with lots of privilege and miserable. I was trying to find rest and peace in everything but Jesus. And then at 17, I gave my life to him and it changed everything. I love the words from the, the North African theologian, Augustine. He said this 1,600 years ago. It's really powerful. He said, you, God, you made us for yourself. He did. And our hearts will find no peace. They'll find no rest until they rest in you. So let me encourage you this morning. I don't want you to find rest in a list that I give you, in a church building, um, in a religious system, because all of that will lead you nowhere. I want you to find rest And the one who gives rest, Jesus. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus said these words. I didn't say this. He said, I, man, I'm I'm the only way, the 
the only, the only life. I'm it. And if you don't find rest in me, you won't find it. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. There in, in your chair, what I like to call your private altar to do business with Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to know you. I want to turn from me and turn to you as my Savior and Lord. And if you're like, I'm, I'm not quite sure what that looks like. People on the prayer team, I'm going to encourage you to come up right now if you're on the prayer team. Ruth and I will be standing up front. You certainly don't have to come to us. There's lots of people around this room. You're going to be on my right and left, the back, the sides. And, and come up to them and say, what does it look like to know Jesus? Not a system. Not a church. Jesus. Now, for others in this room, many, man, you know and love Jesus, but you've got caught up in the trap of, of doing and going and buying and working, and you haven't stopped. And it's spinning out of control. It's not God's design. Sabbath in Jesus is a gift. It's a gift. I'm going to encourage you to be proactive, whether it's macro Sabbaths or micro Sabbaths, carve out significant amounts of time to be with Jesus and to be with others while you're being with Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the gift of Sabbath, which is Jesus. Thank you that he has brought fulfillment to that. Thank you that you tell us, come unto you all who are weary and heavy laden, that you'll give us Sabbath. It's not a heavy Sabbath. It's light. That burden is light. We put it on you and you put on us rest. Wow. And God, for those who don't know you, I pray that today is the day they find you and that you reach out to them and they come to know you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.